This is Scott Becker with the Becker Private Equity Podcast, the Becker Business Minute Podcast. Thrilled today to get to visit with Maxwell Nee. Maxwell has, has developed, spent time in, works on wine and whiskey alternative investments. And, and from my perspective, more of a wine drinker than a whiskey drinker, not an expert in either one of those. But Max is, Maxwell's going to talk to us today about those as alternative investments, what he sees, how he got into this, and a lot more. Maxwell, can you take a moment and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do with wine and whiskey? Yes, thank you so much, Scott. So I uh, re- really appreciate being here. So I'm the managing partner for Oweno Wine and Whiskey. Uh, our core business is in London. And basically what we do is we help uh, investors, collectors, drinkers to find and buy um, undervalued and overlooked hidden gems in the wine and whiskey market, hold them for long enough until supply is scarce, and then basically sell them back into the market at a premium, uh, picking up the uplift and uh, also the appreciation in the assets aging as well. Thank you. And how do you look at finding scarce wines that have value enough that they're of interest or scarce whiskeys? What does this look like? I mean, I know people have made a fortune in these other sort of areas that I would never have thought of, you know, buying scarce Nike Jordan shoes and stuff. But how do you do this in wine and whiskey? What does that look like? I know there's serious collectors in wine and whiskey, like there's serious collectors in art, but, but how does that look? How do you go about that? Yeah, well, um, you know, 70, 80% of the uplift that our clients get basically comes just from the aging, you know, like the old age old saying, age is like fine wine. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. So I was in a bar in Chicago once and um, the bartender asked me, what would you like to drink? Uh, I love to drink an old fashioned, which is usually made with bourbon, but, um, you know, I'm obviously a little bit fancy. <laughs> I'm trying to be fancy. And uh, so I select, um, I told him I want to drink it with scotch, you know, and he's like, okay, great. Macallan 12 and Macallan 18. So for everyone listening, um, the difference between Macallan 12 and 18 is literally no difference in the liquid itself. The only difference is that it's been sitting in a warehouse aging for an additional six years, right? So the same manufacturing production process, just that it's a little bit older. Now, the difference between, between the price of these two drinks was uh, the Macallan 18, which is 18 years old, was $125. The, the Macallan 12 was $25. So that's a 5x return in six years for the end consumer that an investor could ride that appreciation wave if they were able to get their hands on the uh, young stock at the right time. So that, that's the, the main ethos, yeah. And, and when, when you drink a Manhattan, you know, and again, this is an unfair question, but can you tell the difference in the taste? Because it's, it's diluted with some other stuff. Can you tell the difference in the taste between the 12 and the 18? Because the 18 is a lot more valuable. This goes to often certain kinds of mixed drinks. You know, how, can you tell the difference in the taste of difference? I mean, I'm talking about something different than the value and the economics of it. But, but how do you feel? Can you tell the difference between the 18 and the 12 in a Manhattan? Yeah, so um, in in wine, uh, you know, you got to have a bit of a bit of a palate to taste the difference. In my opinion, you know, I, I, my palate isn't that sharp, but in whiskey, a hundred percent. You know, whiskey, even three years of aging, the difference between the twelve and the fifteen, um, a normal person could taste it. It smells different. It tastes different on the tongue. It's a little bit sweeter. It's less sharp. It's more approachable. Um, everything that makes it more refined, uh, and that also contributes to it being highly desired, and then therefore more scarce. Thank you. And how much money 
do people invest in wine or, or whiskey? I, I assume it's not a, like if, if the core part of my portfolio is S&P 500 and, you know, treasury bills. I take it this is not the core of somebody's portfolio, but a smaller percentage of it. How bullish are people in this? How how much do people invest in the wine and whiskey sort of portion of their portfolio? Is this a couple percent? Is this more of a, you know, a hobby type thing? How do you look at this, Max? Yes, yeah, so it's usually about five to ten percent. You know, so there was a report from uh, uh, Barclays Wealth Management and Ledbury Research that said that at least twenty eight percent of high net worth individuals uh, have their own private wine collection. So they're all investors. You know, you're looking at more or less one in three. Uh, with whiskey, it's probably definitely more than one in three. Um, in terms of how much money people put in, you know, I know clients that have two, three, four, five million dollar uh, wine collections. You know, and and um, I also know clients who um, their net worth is probably less than a million dollars, and they've still got fifty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars in in wine and whiskey. Um, so it definitely is making its way as a a competitive alternative investment asset class. Um, you know, just to share with you some numbers, for example, uh, the fine wine was, um, you know, depending on which ones you look at, but more or less it was all up double digits, you know, at least about 12, 14, 15% last year, all the while, you know, the S&P took a dip um, as well as, you know, most markets around the world. So there is definitely uh, merits in two factors. The fact that it's alternative, it's outside the, it's non-correlated to the broader market and also its ability to generate double-digit returns. And are people buying this like an individual bond, an individual stock, I mean, an individual bottle or case, what have you, were they buying it through funds? How do people approach buying wine and whiskey as a part of their investment portfolio? Yeah, great question. So we have uh, two options for investors in our company, Oeno Wine and Whiskey Investment. Uh, we have a Delaware fund where the minimum investment is a million dollars. And then we also have a private portfolio option where, you know, the minimum investment is $10,000, where someone could buy their own bottles and uh, whiskey bottles and whiskey barrels, and we hold them, store it and manage it and exit for them. You know, the, the most often question we get is, you know, if I decide that I don't want to exit it, I don't need the money, can I drink it instead? And the answer is, you know, always, of course. So um, it is a passion investment for a lot of people. That's why a lot of people like to have their own stock under their own control. Uh, but for those interested in, yeah, you know, capital preservation, um, inflation beating yields, you know, um, alpha generating arbitrage, that's what we've created the fund uh, investment vehicle for. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And how hard is it to ultimately exit these investments after you invest in them? What, is, what does exit look like? Yeah, great question. So exit is not easy. Exit's the hardest thing um, to actually take your money in and out of this type of investment. Um, you know, for example, a lot of wine and whiskey investment firms, what they do is they basically go to auction uh, with your stock. And the thing about auction is that auction is essentially a fire sale. So no one goes to auction, you know, ready to pay a premium. You usually go to auction to get a good deal. So you're looking at usually a five, 10% discount based on the, the, the market value of your asset. Plus then the auction house takes about a 25% premium uh, for selling your asset to their network. Now, um, what we've done is we've created a, um, the world's first vertically integrated a wine and whiskey investment firm where we sell direct to consumer. So we actually have a fine wine bar in London, a rare whiskey bar in London. 
Uh, both of them also sell e-commerce as well. And uh, we have an exchange opening up um, very shortly this year as well. Amazing. And then, then another question along those lines, when, when you talk about sort of like wine, whiskey, um, the connoisseur of wine or whiskey, different levels of sophistication or, or similar. So can I tell my friends that are whiskey drinkers that they're really low brow compared to me who's a wine drinker or is it pretty similar profiles when you look at the wine and whiskey collectors? You know, it's it's all over the shop. You know, we have clients who they've, they've put their life savings into it, you know, and um, because they just love it. They love the passion aspect. They love the asset. You know, real estate doesn't excite them. Stocks doesn't excite them. You know, not, not traditional invest, investments don't excite them, but, but this does excite them. So um, what I would say is, you know, our biggest concentration clientele is actually um, our competitors. <laughs> and what I mean by that is... Um, for example, our biggest concentration of clientele is um, other bankers, other finance professionals, other people who are selling other types of investment products, um, you know, quite a lot of lawyers as well, uh, private equity um, fund managers, hedge fund managers, alternative asset fund to fund fund managers. They're actually our biggest investors in wine and whiskey because, you know, they, they, they take away the fact that it's alcohol and they look at it for its merits um, of some of the things that I've mentioned. And, um, you know, they... They're, they're all very excited to put their own personal money in, which is which is really great. Well, it's also a little bit of fun, too, especially if you're not gambling 70% of your portfolio on this. It's kind of interesting to be a wine and whiskey investor. You know, there's only so many times you could look at Apple and Microsoft or Amazon and all these things. And obviously, a lot of those names should be part of your core portfolio. But this is kind of fun to be in wine or whiskey. You know, some people are in art and those kinds of things. If they even have more money, they're in sports teams, but but we only aspire to those types of things. But but so interesting. Max knee, Maxwell knee, where can people learn more about you and what you're doing? Yes. So um I, I'll share my details. So my name is Maxwell Knee. I'm uh, very active on LinkedIn. I'm on there pretty much every day. And uh, if you want to learn a bit more about me and what we do and take a look at uh, my profile, things like that. Um O-N-O, O-E-N-O, wine and whiskey fund.com um is where you can find me. Thank you very, very much. Again, Maxwell Nee, uh, brilliant wine and whiskey investor. What could be better? Thank you for joining us in the Becker Private Equity Podcast, the Becker Business Minute Podcast. Thank you very much.